I opened up this card, and she had written these beautiful words to me, and the five that stuck out were, you are so valuable to God. Mm. And I was just stuck on them. I, I read these words, and I couldn't think anything past them. And the more I um, found myself dwelling on them, the more clear it became to me that the Lord has a purpose for my life, and it's yeah. not this. Um, I am valuable to Him. He's got something more than this. Welcome to the What's the Story podcast. My name is Matt Edmondson, and today we are chatting with this beautiful lady over here, Sadaf. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hi, Good. Matt. Good. So we're going to talk about Sadaf's story. We're going to get into that a whole lot more uh, in today's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Crowd Church. Crowd is an online church. Uh, so if you're looking for a new church, an online church, or not quite sure what church is all about, come check us out at www.crowd.church. So, Sadaf, let's get into this because it's fair to say that you and I have known each other a little while. And if you're uh, watching the podcast, dear uh, listener, did, did, you'd be a viewer, you wouldn't you, I suppose, if you were watching it. Um, you'll see we're in our new studio, uh, which we are still, <laughs> we're still working the kinks out to, actually. Um, and so, yeah, we thought we'd try it in the studio. You're the guinea pig. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. And for those of you who don't know, Sadaf Behind the Scenes is the show's producer. Uh, and so you have this wonderful title. In fact, you produce all our podcasts, don't you? I sure do. Yep. Keeps you out of trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keeps you out of trouble. So Sadaf is the show producer and she produces all the shows. And so we thought, well, let's get Sadaf to be a little bit of a guinea pig. But it turns out you've actually got one heck of a story as well. So uh, thank you for coming on the podcast and doing this. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's great. So you got your cup of tea? I do. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this. It's weird doing it in person, right? Because normally when we do these podcasts, um, we're like in different, I mean, it's over the web, right? Mm -hmm. And we just have this split screen. So it's a little bit more interesting doing it in person. We'll see how it gets on. I'm trying to remember to use the camera switcher so we go to different cameras as well. So yeah, all exciting. Anyway, let's get into the story. So how long have you and I known each other? Four, five years, four years. Four five years. years. I feel it like feels it's longer. much longer. <laughs> <laughs> it just, feels much longer. <laughs> it feels like we've known each other a very long time. I don't know, 40 years, maybe yeah. something like that. Um, no, it's true, isn't it? So mm -hmm. we've known each other for a while. Yeah. And you've worked with us here and it's great. And uh, it's been awesome. But how did you... How did you sort of become a Christian? What was your journey of faith? What was that story? Okay. So um, I grew up in Pakistan. And um, as most people know, it's a predominantly Muslim country. Mm -hmm. So my parents made the decision to send myself and my siblings to an international boarding school, which was run by missionaries. So um, it, was, it was at the age of six at boarding school that mm -hmm. I became a Christian. Around, the age of six? Yeah. So really quite young. Yeah, very young. And um, it was an assembly on a Wednesday, and the teacher was telling a story that um, made me feel quite convicted that, you know, I'm not going to get to heaven on the coattails of my parents' faith okay. or of my teachers, and I needed to make a personal decision. Mm -hmm. 
So after the assembly, I, I went and spoke to her. She prayed with me, and I decided I wanted the Lord to live in my heart. So this was at six, mm-hmm. and this was at school, a school assembly. So this was a Christian school. It was, yeah. In a predominantly Muslim country. It was, yeah. So did your parents deliberately send you to this school? Were they Christian? They they were, yeah. Um, and yes, that was a, a decision they made. Because um, if we went to a Muslim school, it, we would have to learn um, Islamiyat, which is just you know all about Islam, and yeah. and all our education would have been based on that. And they just didn't want that for us. And they felt we were young, we were impressionable, and they wanted to keep us um, on the straight and narrow. <laughs> <laughs> I did that? Did that work? <laughs> Yeah, did that actually work? Well, I don't know. That's a conversation that we could maybe get into. Yeah, we'll right? get into that. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Um, yeah. So this is when you were six years old. And so mm-hmm. have you looked back since? Or has is, is it always been like, um, <clears throat> no, you, you're you a Christian. You've always been a Christian. You've never sort of looked back. You've always sort of moved on from that moment. Yeah, always moved on. And, you know, just in life, as it is in life, you learn through different experiences and yeah. different things happen. So the Lord is always working on you so you're um and you struggle with life and then the lord shows up and then you know it just keeps going from strength to strength so here's the thing Mm -hmm. right um you're from pakistan Mm -hmm. you don't sound like (laughs) you're from pakistan so um uh what what's that story um so again at that school it was an international missionary school Mm -hmm. and so we all came out sounding like this um there was (laughs) (laughs) there was lots of kids from all over the world um Uh like literally you know um australia new zealand all over europe the americas and um yeah all sounded like this at the end of it okay never lost my accent (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because um your kids were in uh, you you guys were around Monday night, mm-hmm. wasn't it? You were in the house. And um, I noticed Hudson's picking it up. Yeah. Right. He is picking up the American yeah. sort of, uh, can I say American or is it is it Canadian? Because you like to identify with Canada more than America, yes, right? Yes, I do. Yes, that is right. Um, let's say Canadian. Let's go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the links Canada? Why Canadian? So um, because we went to this missionary school, we weren't able to do any further education in Pakistan because we would have needed the Islamia aspect to our education. So we all then went different ways around the globe. Um, I ended up in Canada and uh, did my um, undergrad there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was there for about seven, eight years. Okay. And then... Um, uh, we're at the time of recording, we're in sunny Liverpool and it is actually sunny today, today. (laughs) (laughs) which is quite unusual. So what was the, the, the journey from Canada to Liverpool? So you've done your degree in Canada. Yeah. How did did you get over here? So I did my undergrad, um, in Canada and then I came to England primarily to do, um, my master's. Mm -hmm. But there was a good few years in between wow. the two degrees, yeah. Wow. And how long have you been in the UK now? Um, I think about 16, 17 years, I think. You're just Can't, not sure? I'm not sure. I don't do numbers, so I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I really don't care right now. I'm, I'm here. Just, I'm just here. <laughs> My life is here. Um, no, so I, well, I, that sounds, you know... I obviously grown up in Pakistan I grew up in Derby so can't empathize at all (laughs) 
Um, very different upbringings. Um, but here we are sort of working together. It's funny how that all works, yeah. isn't it, from different parts of the globe. So throughout your life then, what sort of, um, what has been some of the big challenges that you've had to face um, <laughs> throughout that globe-trotting journey? <laughs> so many. <laughs> you know, I think the Lord has a, um, he knows just the perfect balance of, blessings in someone's life and buffetings mm. and um he's allowed both um in my life to stretch me and to mature me and mm. to make me more like him i'm nowhere close you well know <laughs> <laughs> but um, closer than me probably <laughs> but you know um but yeah so many um i guess probably one that we've um yeah that's probably stands out <clears throat> As a personal one, um, is I was in an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and um, on and we were engaged, and the the abuse actually got um, worse as as well when we got engaged. It it got worse at the and it became more physical at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, up until then, I think it was always there. I just didn't recognize it. Um, so there was like, you know, the, the emotional side of things, which I just didn't realize that that was abuse right. in that sense. Um, <clears throat> so like he was um, quite a smooth talker. So if something didn't feel right and I brought it up, it was more like, well, you know, it's actually you who's seeing it wrong. I This right. is really what's going on. So I never really, I could never put my finger on it. And then, so, um, yeah, it, um, yeah. <laughs> that's a I mean just listening to you talk that's a that's a pretty hard thing to say isn't it and um, here you are I assume your now ex-fiance let's be clear that obviously that you you broke that off but um he was a Christian this was a Christian relationship mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. here you are in a relationship with a Christian um but that relationship is abusive mm-hmm. um how did you how did you reconcile that? Because I suppose if you're if you're in a relationship with a Christian, you expect it maybe to be safe. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's naive on my part. Do you know what I mean? Or um, so yeah. How did you how did you reconcile that in your head? You know that this is a Christian relationship, mm-hmm. but it seems to be on the abusive side. Yeah. Um, before I answer your question, I'm just going to give you a bit more on on that. Like so, in that whole process of um, being in that relationship. Um, <clears throat> What it did for me was it created this, um, like it stripped away my confidence, it created self-doubt mm. in me, it isolated me from people who were closest to me. So I think that kind of made, put me in a position where I really didn't have anyone speaking into my life and um, or me being able to reach out. So there was so many secrets by this point, you know, there's so many like different things that have happened and there's shame involved and you don't yeah. want to tell people. And, and, and it's then, worth saying you were quite close to your family, right? So when you, your headphones are falling out. So when you talk about <clears throat> being isolated, to put that in some kind of context, that's quite, that's quite um, sobering uh, in the context of the, the quite, vibrant i suppose relationship you had with your family especially yeah, your sisters right? that's right yeah and we all lived my sister myself and my brother we all lived in um the one place as well we lived together so 
Yeah, it was um, did feel very isolating for all of us. They, they felt um, separated from me, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and um, as as the date for the wedding got closer, and my my parents arrived, my other sibling uh, arrived. Um, I don't know whether it was the tension that just got you know it just grew and grew to a point where something had to give, mm-hmm. and um, it just went from bad to worse suddenly the whole um, abusive side of things. And um, it, I guess in some ways I'm thankful for that because it brought me out of it. It brought everything to a head. But um, yeah, it was, it was painful. And at that time, what it did was it created this utter confusion in my head. Like you're talking about reconciling and it was mm. just like on one side I've got devoted family, um, you know, friends who know me and are praying for me and like know the situation and are wanting to see me safe. And then there's on the other side, there was him who was telling me that I'm the reason for the breakdown of what's going on. So I just, um, I felt caught and Mm. I I didn't, um, as much as I wanted so badly to make the right decision, wanted so badly to be in the Lord's well, um, that was always the case, but I was just confused, and that confusion just grew over time. Um, and um, I remember distinctly, um, I just felt like it was just too much. I couldn't, I couldn't hold the two, I couldn't hold everything together. Mm. So um, I told my family I was going out. I just needed to be alone and spend some time. So I grabbed my Bible, I, brought, I grabbed my notebook, and as I was leaving, my mom handed me a card that one of her friends had given for me. It had my name on it. Um, I, just, I just took it, and mm-hmm. I was driving around aimlessly for a bit, ended up down by the river. And I have this habit of writing my prayers down. So I was just emptying myself onto these pages. I was covered with, you know, this great mixture of tears and ink. I <laughs> don't even know what was said in the end, but... It was just I emptied myself out, and yeah. um, and then I opened up this card, and it was who we referred to her as Aunt Ruth. Mm-hmm. She um, she had written these beautiful words to me, and the five that stuck out were "You are so valuable to God," mm. and um, I was just stuck on them. I just felt like I couldn't move. I I was I I read these words, and I couldn't think anything past them. And I think the more I um, found myself dwelling on them, the more clear it became to me that the Lord has a purpose for my life, and it's yeah. not this. Um, I am valuable to Him. He's, you know, He's got something more than this. And for yeah. me to keep walking down this path is only going to lead to more destruction, and it's going to continue to isolate me from my family, and um, it's, not, it's not of Him. Mm. And I um, just had this new resolve. I knew exactly what I now needed to do. The confusion was gone. It was just like this cloud had lifted. And I got back in the car. I drove to um, the the apartment, or sorry, the flat that we were going to be um, living in together after the wedding. And um, I waited there. And um, <clears throat> he came and I wanted to do him, I wanted to do him the courtesy of telling him first. Because there was this whole confusion about, you know, um, it's your fault that it, everything's breaking down. You're siding yeah. with the family. And so I wanted to say, look, I've made the decision and I'm telling you first. No one else knows this. And um, and when I told him, he, he scoffed at me. He mocked me. He told me that um, without him, I am nothing. Wow. And I will never amount to anything. 
Um, and by this time, these words were now, they just didn't resonate at all. Mm. They were just bouncing right off. I just didn't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, so I took my engagement ring off, gave it to him, walked out. He followed me. Um, and I was able to get to my car, lock the doors, get in. Um, and um, yeah, he was not happy. And I drove away. And then after that, we had... Um, um, I just cut off all communication at that point. So there was no wow. communication with him and I. There was always a buffer. There was always someone in between, a go-between. And yeah, that's how I reconciled it. <laughs> that's a heck <laughs> a of, a of a story. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, so much to ask. Um, so, so, but firstly, thank you for sharing, because I don't, I can't imagine these things are easy to talk about. No, they're not. But you know, it's an opportunity to talk about what the Lord has done. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also I think it's, mm. Um, it's one of those things, isn't it, where as as harsh and horrible as this sounds, you're not going to be the only one that was in that mm -hmm. kind of situation, Absolutely. right? So if it's okay, let's dig into this a little bit more because were you aware that the relationship you were in, or I suppose maybe not were, when did you become aware that this was an abusive relationship because it it seems like um the way you're talking is the abuse it uh, didn't start off physical it it, it was more mental more coercion mm -hmm. more <clears throat> sort of building up a bit like the frog in boiling water mm -hmm. do you know what i mean and mm -hmm. you you don't see it you you've, something's not quite right you're not quite sure but you don't yeah. it, there's a clarity which is maybe not there so how at what point did you come to the realization this is uh, this is not right, this is an abusive relationship? Um, I think the very first time that he struck me mm -hmm. was, um, was, was that, but it was, um, and I know I should have gone running and told someone and done something about it, hindsight is wonderful, but I think I just felt so trapped at this point. So many mm. other things that happened in, before um, emotionally that um, I, I think I felt like I would have, um, there were so many secrets to hold together. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've, there was shame as, as well. That was probably one of the bigger things. On your part? Yeah, yeah. In, in what sense? Um, that I had, that things weren't right and they hadn't been right, but I, was, I had stuck to it mm -hmm. and I hadn't spoken up and I hadn't gotten out. Wow. Yeah. So the first time this guy um, hits you, what, I mean, I, I get angry thinking about this. Do you know what I mean? Just, just I don't know, maybe it's just where I was bored up, but I'm, what was that like? What was, you say that you were sort of trapped in shame. Um. And you realize on one hand, this is abusive, but on the other hand, you, you can't get out. What, what's going through your head at this point? Um, I think confusion was probably a big one. Mm. Um, like, is this really happening? Is this actually happening? Um, why is it happening? Why has it gotten to this point? What have I done? Mm -hmm. And how could I have made? How could I? How, how could I have avoided the situation for us? Um, because I was told a lot that a lot of it had to do with 
with me that if I wasn't this way or if right. I didn't say these things, such and such wouldn't happen. So um, you're taking the blame for this. Yeah. So yeah. You, he hits you and you, you're blaming yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so how long did that go on for? Um, probably about, so yeah, about seven, eight months. Wow. And it just got like progressively worse. And did he, did he realize what he was doing? I believe so. I believe so. I think, you know, there's a level of um, control mm. that goes with a personality like this. Because um, if you have no self-control, you would do these kinds of things, talk in these ways, um, behave like this at any point. You might go into the office and start acting like this. You know, yeah. your boss is there, but you'll do it anyway, or you'll yeah. do it in church, or you'll do it out on the street. But there's that level of control that I'm going to do it behind closed doors, where no one else can hear me, no one else can, um, you know, say what the narrative actually is. I get to control it. Wow. Um, and yeah, I, I, I believe that. Yeah. So this guy's in church, and to the whole world, mm -hmm. he's he's a good Christian guy. Mm -hmm. Like you've married the guy. You're going to get married to mm -hmm. the right guy, right? This is mm -hmm. what everyone's thinking. Um. But behind closed doors, this is a completely different person. Yeah. So your mum hands you a card. Things are going worse and worse and worse. And it's, we're close to the wedding. So your family have all come over for mm -hmm. the wedding. Is mm -hmm. that right? That's right. So what was it like with the family when they arrived? Um, I was so excited to see them. Mm. Um, and yet there was this... Um, this heaviness as well because mm. I'm carrying so much that they are completely unaware of and um, we're quite close or we were quite close that we would share these things <clears throat> and um, thankfully they were able to pick up on it and notice that I wasn't myself and you know um, yeah they could just they could just tell something was up and so they they opened up the conversation and we were able to talk about it. And, you mm. know, it came out. I wasn't, I didn't have the confidence to tell them. I didn't have the guts to tell them up front what, what was actually going on under the surface. But slowly, I, you know, we peeled back the layers a little mm. bit at a time. Um, I can still remember how painful it was for my parents, especially to hear some of those things. Yeah. Um, and I felt terrible for putting them in that position. Yeah. Man, that's hard. So you, you somehow get the courage, the bravery to say to this guy, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you hand him back the ring. Was that the last time you saw him? Um, No, it was not the last time I saw him. He showed up um, at the house a few times after that, wanting um, to change my mind, mm -hmm. um, wanting to to see me and to like you know get back into my head. But my family wouldn't allow it. Mm. Um, I saw him in the sense that I, I there was no conversations, but um, yeah, I, yeah, he did try showing up. So your, your family then are quite key in this story. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, not taken away, obviously, from the, 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 
the function of God oh, uh, in all of this. But you're, it seems like God used the the family, mm-hmm. you know, and they sort of close ranks around you. Mm-hmm. It feels like. So, what was the the process like? You've given him the the ring back. He's trying to get back in your head. The family is there with you. How does the process of healing then start? Um, <clears throat> I'm so grateful that my family was there. Mm. Uh, I'm really grateful for that because you know how it is when you're when you're with your family, you're at home, your mm-hmm. guards are down, and you can just be exactly who you are. And mm. having them there in that time gave me that that space. Um, <clears throat> Um, and it was it was just really good to have conversations and for them to pray with me, to pray mm-hmm. for me, and to have that time together. And then I actually ended up um, moving away um, for the healing, actually, mm-hmm. for that purpose, because being in the same place in the and also the fear of him just showing up again yeah. or getting back in I didn't want yeah. to backslide I just wanted to move forward and I wasn't strong enough mm-hmm. with all my confidence gone my self-doubt like in you know full force um I was in no way in no position to make life decisions I just mm. couldn't do it so I ended up moving away lived with my um sister and brother-in-law in Australia for mm-hmm. some time and um had yeah, I had some had some um, counseling there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think you know the biggest counselor in all of this was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, um, and that's been something that that you know even after those counseling sessions with that one person in a in a um, professional setting, the Holy Spirit was you know just with me the whole time and just been speaking into my life, guiding guiding me, giving me scripture upon scripture to mm. feed into. Um, and yeah, I think it's it was a long road. Like uh, what you're seeing now is nothing what I was like when when that all happened. Um, yeah, I mean, you can ask my sister how hard it was mm. to sit with me in a restaurant just for me to like pick what food I wanted or what drink I wanted. I couldn't make a decision for the life of me. It was just like you know whatever decision I was making was like, well, what does the other person think? Yeah. Um, is it okay? Is that a right decision? Is it mm-hmm. not? Is it going to come back at me somehow? You know, just everything. Wow. So I, I'm guessing that in this journey then there was um, this sort of period uh, where you're going through counseling where forgiveness becomes the topic mm-hmm. of conversation. And I'm guessing there was, I suppose, forgiveness of him but in a bizarre sense i suppose there was forgiveness of self Mm -hmm. um how did you or are you still working through that um yes definitely forgiveness and um i have i i was able to forgive him the lord helped me do that um i was able to pen a a message to him i sent i had my you know the family read it to make sure because you in that point, you still don't want to give too much of yourself away, and it's so easy to do that. So I needed people to sense check it for me. But no, I was very happy to. I got to a point where I was more than happy to forgive, move on, mm-hmm. um, for his sake, for my sake. Um, and I think the the self-forgiveness, you're right, that did have to happen, and a lot of it did. But I think sometimes 
you kind of, um, not that I've been in that situation ever again, but mm. sometimes you recognize things that have happened in the past and you're like, oh, I'm still reacting to something in a way that I reacted to before. Yeah. And it just, you know, I guess it's the Lord's way of showing you that there's still something in your heart that needs healing and needs mm. you to, you know, to work on. And um, maybe at the time, like I've thought about it, um, that, you know, why does it sometimes keep coming up? And I think when, when I was in that time, it was traumatic. Yeah. And the only way for me to be able to move on and actually heal was for, for it to just shut down in some yeah. sense, right? And then as you're getting stronger and are able to take on more, the Lord gives you some more to work through. Um, I don't know if that's right. That's my understanding of, of what, um, what's gone on. Um, but I think in each of those times that it's happened or something's come up, being able to um, bring it to the Lord and ask mm. for healing and forgiveness of self um, is, is really important mm. for my own relationship with the Lord, for me to keep walking in step with Him. So if you could, um, I feel like we could talk about this for a very long time, and I, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm curious, if, if you could go back in time mm-hmm. um, and maybe write another card to give to, you know, the, the younger version of you uh, when you're going through that, what would it say? What would you, what would you want to tell yourself? Um, what advice would you give yourself? Um. <clears throat> I think I would say speak up, <laughs> say it as it is, talk to you know your trusted um, friends and family. And if someone is doing that to you where they're pulling you away from people that matter most to you, there's something wrong in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't recognize that fast enough. Mm. Um, I think I was too far um, re- I was too far gone by that time that I didn't at that point then I didn't have the confidence to yeah. go back. Um, yeah. So speak up mm. and speak to someone who's trusted. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's so true, isn't it? And sometimes, um, I mean, I've heard stories, uh, in fact, I know a couple of people, um, who were in abusive relationships. Uh, they eventually found the courage to speak to someone they trusted about it, which mm. was their church pastor mm-hmm. and their church pastor tried to sweep it under the rug. Mm. Um, and you can imagine well, I actually, I can't imagine the horror of Absolutely. that. Um, and I, I think it's, it's important what you say. It's, it's someone that's going to um, recognize that actually you're mm-hmm. going through this mm-hmm. and stand alongside you in it, right? I, mm-hmm. I imagine that's what a trusted person is. Yeah, yeah. So for you, that was your family, your sisters, your brother, your, mm-hmm. your parents. Yeah. Wow. So... Which was, um, if I can put it this way, which was easier, the forgiveness of him or forgiveness of self? Probably him. Mm. Yeah. So it was harder to forgive yourself. Yeah. Why do you think that was? I think because I I felt like I knew better. Mm. I, you know, I could have... it could have, it didn't have to get that bad if I had done the, I had done it all sooner. And, you know, I have, like, you know, I told you, I, I became a Christian at six years old. And mm. 
I've lived in, I've had, you know, the blessings of being like growing up in a Christian home. And um, why did I not, you know, why did I not do something about it sooner? Why didn't I tell my dad? Why didn't all these things go through your head? But, you know, um, the truth is he's responsible for his right. actions and I'm responsible for mine. Mm. And I need to bring, instead of doing the, you know, the what ifs and getting caught up in that, yeah. it doesn't matter. I need, you know, what, I'm responsible for mine. I'm held accountable for mine. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because mm. it's at some point, I tend to find at some point you can go back and deal with the what if questions yeah. when you're in a, in a, in a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality of it is this is where you are now mm-hmm. and you have to go, no, no, this is where I am. This yeah. is your pouring out your heart in the journal. This is the tears yeah. on the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. This is a realization. I've, I mean, speaking up and yeah. speaking up actually first to yourself uh, in prayer, yeah. in the yeah. journal, mm-hmm. you know, and actually mm-hmm. recognizing and just being brutally honest with yourself. This is what's going on and this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really hard things to do, but super liberating and powerful yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. Um, and you don't wish it on anybody. No. But um, so fast forward X amount of years, um, you're now married to, uh, <laughs> you're married to just this really cool guy, Jeff. Um, and um, he's, he's a scouser <laughs> with bright ginger hair. Um, and... How how long did that healing process take place? Because I'm imagining that you didn't just give him the engagement ring back and two weeks later, oh, hey, Jeff, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, there's, a, there's obviously a process in between mm-hmm. that. And uh, how did, I guess, how long did that process take? And how was it for you? Um, I guess I'm making the assumption here that Jeff was your first serious boyfriend post this Mm -hmm. um how did that affect your relationship in the early years um you're right it was a process and um um i think a lot of healing went on in that time for me i regained my confidence i regained my confidence in the lord in who i was um and, um, you know, just trusting the Lord for what he's got next for me. Because, you know, I was engaged to this guy and whatever was around it, you still at the same time thinking about building a life with someone, you know, mm. regardless of what he was doing. I mean, just the engagement side of things. Um, so there was a lot of things to unravel. Um, but by the time that um, Jeff came into my life and things were starting to get serious with him, I did actually find myself trying to push his buttons purposefully Mm. um and i think on some level i was doing it um without realizing it Mm -hmm. but there was a there was also a part of me that you know as it as it as i was doing it became more clear to me that this is i'm I'm pushing his buttons because i want to see how he's going to react right how far can i push him before he strikes me how far Mm -hmm. can i push him before he says something um yeah i wanted to just uh see (laughs) If there was anything there that I needed to run from and just, I thought, you know, rather than like doing this long relationship and finding out in year, you know, five, 10, I want to know now. So I'm just going to push all the buttons and whatever's going to come out, I'll deal with it. And then 
you know, walk away or do whatever. Wow. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's pretty callous, I know, but. <laughs> I don't know if I'd use the word callous, but, but that's got to be pretty intense for Jeff, right? I mean, he's, he's obviously got to deal with this. I mean, had you told him about the, what you'd come out of? Was he aware that this was what was going on or did he just think, oh my goodness? Yeah, he, he knew. So as things were getting um, serious with him, then I felt like I needed him to know this mm-hmm. about my past because I, you know, I fully understand that um, it's shaped me. Yeah. Perhaps in some ways that I wasn't, that I don't like so much about myself anymore, but it has shaped me. Um, and so whether that means undoing some of those things that I, you know, that are, that are not right. Um, but yeah, so I made sure that he knew what I, what my, what I was coming from. Um, yeah, he did know. Okay. And so you guys just talked it through and kept talking it through. Yeah. Still talk it through maybe. Um, no, not as much. Mm. Not as much. It doesn't really come up as much. Okay. Okay. Well, like I say, thanks again for sharing. Um, I, it, it's, I mean, it's horrific in any sense. Um, but the fact that this happens in a Christian relationship is just... Mm. I think is, I don't know, I struggle with that in my own head. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a guy who professes to claim Christ as Lord, yet thinks it's okay to to, to be abusive um, in such a way that actually not only am I justifying it to myself, I'm making my partner feel like it's mm-hmm. their fault. Mm-hmm. That's just, <laughs> I, I, I can't get my head around it. So um, how did you... How did you bridge the connection then with, because you've, this is your life experience mm-hmm. and it's horrific. You know, it, it, it is genuine, real abuse. Um, how did you reconcile that with the theology of God is good? Um. I think that, um, well, God is good. (laughs) Let's start there. (laughs) God is good, and everything he does is for good. It's Mm. for our good. And yes, you know, hard things happen, and um, we we have personal experiences that are hard. We have shared experiences that are hard. And they're hard nonetheless, but the Lord allows them. Mm. And... um, you know, they shape us. They mm. shape us into becoming more like him if we allow them to. And um, and I think sometimes going through those hard times is what makes us, gives us more substance. It gives, yeah. makes us stronger. It makes us um, become even more aware of how good he is. And also, none of these things that happen here change the fact that he loves me and he's got a purpose for me and... Mm-hmm at the end of my time here, I'm going to live in eternity with him. Like that still holds. Yeah. And um, yeah. So for me, it's, it doesn't feel like a stretch at mm-hmm. all. And maybe it's because I've, you know, been a Christian for a long time and I've seen the Lord working and my mm. faith has been shaped and pulled and stretched in all different ways. But um, yeah, that's how I. Yeah. You know. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because um, you see people, go through horrendous stuff and they either press into God mm-hmm. during that time um, and it, it shapes them and, and they come out of the other side of it um, maybe stronger or something has happened, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's a really interesting book 
and I can't remember the the exact title of it, but it's it's like the blessing in the cancer. Do you know what mm. I mean? It's that kind of don't waste the blessing in the cancer or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, which is just it's a really interesting way of looking at the, the the difficult times, which I don't think in the Western church we do that mm. well. We kind of define God by our experience. Is my experience good? Therefore, God is good. Yeah. If my experience is bad, how can God be good? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Harding calls this. Um, he uses this phrase: a weak theology of suffering, mm. uh, which is quite interesting, which we sh- we sh- we struggle with. Whereas when we go outside um, of, say, the Western Church, you get the other group of people who are going through some horrendously hard times, but they God is in in their head. God is with them in it, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. in their faith, God is with them in it. It's not defined God to them, yeah. In the yeah. sense that God is, it's not said that God's bad because this is happening. Mm-hmm. God is good because this is happening and he's with me in it. Mm-hmm. And I can't necessarily see the end from the beginning, but I know that he'll He'll be with me and I know that ultimately I can yeah. trust him. Yeah. Right. And like, he never promised us a bed of roses on this earth, did he? Like he never <laughs> said that. He said, no. you know, you once you're my children, now everything's not going to be perfect for you. Mm-hmm. We are going to struggle. We are going to have those problems, but his his grace is sufficient for us. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. I totally agree. And uh, it's 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 incredible, really. Mm. But what a story! And do you come across then, Sadaf, in, in your walk, um, many people who have been victims of? domestic abuse it, um, because I I tend to notice that actually if I've gone through something I draw people mm-hmm. near to me that have gone through something similar or I can pick up on the cues or I know to ask a question that maybe not other people would ask and wouldn't see um have you found that I have actually um no one's come out to me and said I've you know this this and this happened but you're right like picking up on the cues and just knowing what getting a sense of it and getting, mm. having the questions that as you're asking you're probing you realize actually yeah it, and that was their experience too. Mm. Um, but and, and actually, as hard as that is, being able to share in their pain as well, but there's also that um, being able to understand them, there's something really nice about that, that you can walk along, alongside somebody yeah. and um, share in that pain and in that grief and be able to like, you know, point them back to Jesus and what he has done and what, can, what he can mm. do. And, and that's, that's a real privilege, actually. Yeah. Well, so um, you've been a Christian since you were six years old, which is, I'm mean, way before me. Uh, to be, I wasn't a Christian until I was like 18, 19. Um, so a long time before me. And obviously, up until you meet this guy, there is, um, there's a dream, isn't there? There's a, a sort of a belief or a hope or a vision for your future um, that life will kind of go mm-hmm. this way. Um, and it, it sounds like for you, there's, there's been this massive twist within a, a, with the abusive relationship. Have there been other twists in, along the way? Um, you mean in, in, in this particular path, like to marriage or you mean just, just in, in life? In life? Yeah, I think, um, a really big one for, uh, for me and my siblings, it was a very shared experience was, um, my parents both mm. passing away 13 months of each other. So that's been about eight, nine years ago. Um, and that was huge for us. I mean, I th- it's, it is huge for us. 
um, because they were so um, instrumental in, you know, who I am today. um, Our parents impressed on us the importance of um, walking with the Lord. And I remember my dad would say to us, have you read your Bible today? Have you read your, and, you know, I love my dad so much. I don't want to disappoint, so I'm going to read my Bible so I, can, <laughs> I don't have to say no. Yes, Dad, yes, I have. Just leave me alone now, leave me alone. And I, you know, maybe, uh, well, I did. I had more love for my dad than the Lord at that time, but, you know, it's, um, mm. it's um, it got me there. Um, yeah, so they were just solid, solid people, um, believers, godly, and um, instilled so much in us. Mm. And I guess in that sense, we have a real rich heritage in the Lord, yeah, yeah. don't we, because of that. Um, and yeah, so they are gone, but we look forward to the reunion one day, the great reunion. <laughs> you can dance on, the, on those golden streets together. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Dad, was, um, Dad was diagnosed with cancer, so it was all um, heavy. It mm. was very heavy. Um, and then mom died suddenly at the same time that he was diagnosed, which we weren't, you know, expecting yeah. at all. So really felt like um, the rug had been pulled out yeah. from under us in some sense. And yet at the same time, the Lord was just so good, even in that. Mm. I remember, like, there was so many things going on around us. My my dad was dying. My mom had passed. My um, my siblings had been in a my sister had been in a car crash along with my mom, and she was in hospital. And there was all this stuff going on around us, but the, we had still so much to be thankful for. The Lord was still so good in um, just carrying us through mm. that through that time. Yeah. So your your father gets diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. um, and. Can I ask what type of cancer it was? Yeah, it was lung cancer. So your father has got lung cancer. And actually the the, the story of the car crash with your mum and sister was they they were on the way to visit your dad in hospital, is that right? Um, yeah, so we my dad was, um, my parents were in Pakistan mm-hmm. and dad was diagnosed and all of us were traveling out. So I had two sisters in um, Canada, they were traveling out and I went from England. And um, when my elder sister arrived, she was the last of, of the three of us to get there. Um, my mom went to pick her up from the airport with our driver. Mm-hmm. And on the way back at like um, four o'clock in the morning or something, there was they had a head-on collision with an oil tanker. Wow. And so mom, mom had internal in- injuries, so they didn't think that, they thought she was okay. When she got to the hospital is when when she passed away mm. my sister had um bad injuries all down her face and my and niece had broken her leg and there was so much there was it was chaos um but yeah that that was that was the story so it was all it all just happened and at once yeah so there's no time to process any of this mm. it was all very sudden mm-hmm. and so how did you i mean that's a lot of grief to deal with in in and a lot of grief to carry um, and you talk about how, you know, uh, the, the God was was with you guys in the midst of that. How did you how did you process that grief? Um, how did you come to terms with it? Because I don't know if you ever do, but mm-hmm. it's that. How did you wrestle with that? Because this was, I suppose, in one sense, um, if your if your 
parents or someone you know has cancer you again it's the frog in boiling water Mm -hmm. that you know there's this sort of slow build-up thing Mm -hmm. isn't there and you can deal with things as you go along I don't know if that's more helpful or not when a parent suddenly dies um because that's just totally out of the blue and unexpected and so uh, it seems that you had both (laughs) of these uh how did you how did you deal with that um a lot of conversations I think the the nice thing in that sense was that it was a shared experience. So I was I had my siblings to right. talk to. We were all kind of in the same boat. Um, and dad was still around after mom died. So being able to talk with him and share with him how we were feeling, ask him how he was feeling and just mm. draw it all out. Um, I think conversations were really helpful. And being able to bring everything to the Lord mm-hmm. in our grief was was really liberating actually and being able to do it together we were so thankful that we could do it that we could be together in it yeah um i think we really um were blessed by that yeah um and then i think there's there's another aspect of it and i think you know i don't know whether this is prolonged like the grief is just going on or is this just how it is when someone passes away in your life but because it happened in pakistan my life here in england is so different Right. Like no one here knew my parents. Like you know, they came out for my wedding and and things like that. But they didn't really they didn't really know my life in in Pakistan. Yeah, or my siblings, who were all over the place. So it was like I went to Pakistan, and all this happened. Mom passed away. Dad passed away. All this heaviness, and we come here, and life just goes on. So it's it was really hard to kind of hold the two together. And you're here in life. Well, you kind of have to get on with life. I've got a toddler. I've got mm-hmm. a baby, and um, and so it, I don't know. It 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 was it was a bizarre experience actually because I think if we if it happened here, you're in it and you can yeah. talk about it and you deal with it as life goes on. But you kind of put it on hold. You know, you come here, you put the grief on hold, you put mm. stuff on hold so that life can go on. And the next time you pick up the phone to your sibling, is when you can start processing it again. Right. Um, yeah. It's very unusual circumstances, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's like, <laughs> you, I don't know if you could have scripted it. Um, so this was seven, eight years ago, you said? Yeah, eight, nine. Eight, nine years mm-hmm. ago. And do you feel like you've processed that now? Or is it still ongoing? Um, I think that, yeah, I've, I've processed it in the sense that, you know, I'm, I... I guess I accepted they were gone even then, like because mm. it's a reality. And I think what we, I cling on to, and what we all cling on to, is the fact that it's not the end. Mm. We will see them, and you know, there's a time here. As much as I wish I could pick up the phone or see them or share a story about the funny thing that the kids said, yeah, and um, you know, or ask how do you cook this <laughs> or where is that? <laughs> I've tasted some of the, your mum's recipes; they're very good. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's, you know, that that's missing, yeah. but it's not the end. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what that's what keeps us going. And now, I mean, I've just recently had a death anniversary, and um, there is sorrow in it because mm. you miss them and you think about them and what life would be like. But I don't want I don't wish them back ever. Mm. Because, you know, why would you be yeah. there with Jesus? Um, but Yeah, I don't think they'd thank you for No, it. they wouldn't. <laughs> what are you doing? It's really, uh, there's a, 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 he's been on the podcast, actually, and he's on crowd quite a lot, Dave mm-hmm. Connolly, who mm-hmm. was um, the founding pastor of the church mm-hmm. that we go to. And uh, Dave said to me, 
years ago. I've always remembered it. He said, listen, um, if we're walking somewhere and I drop dead, I don't want to be raised from the dead. And if you do raise me from the dead and you're praying and God somehow brings me back, don't, don't expect me to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I won't, I won't be grateful. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, so, I mean, it, you know, Sedaf, listening to you talk and sharing your story, I know about you, obviously, the more um, modern version, I suppose, <laughs> the more current version, because we've known each other for four or five years now. Mm. Um, and we've been working together all that time. And so there's obviously all of this stuff has, has sort of shaped you as you've gone along. And I, I look at your life and I think... Um, I can see God's hand in, in it because I, I think who you are is not representative of who you were, if that makes sense. I think you're, if you had no confidence back then, I don't see that now <laughs> at all on any kind That's of level. That's a compliment, right? Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, it's just take, take it how it comes. <laughs> but I just don't. I think, you know, um, you're super confident, super um, welcoming. You just love people, have a heart of people, which is amazing. Um Usually you're laughing and smiling and joking. <laughs> Usually, not all the time, but most of the time, which is great. Um, super encouraging. Uh, got a can-do attitude. Do you know what I mean? Let's get on and do it. So I think I can see uh, that who you are is not who you were, um, which is lovely. Um, but if you, as we sort of, you know, I'm aware of time, as we, as we draw to a close, um, if you had like uh, one message that you could give to people. Um, you know, I, I, I say to people, um, if, you, if you were asked to give a sermon and it was the last sermon and the only sermon you would ever give um, based on all that you've kind of experienced and, you know, what God has taught you, what would, what would, be, the, what would be in that talk? Um, you know, I think of my kids when you say this, because what is the one thing I drill into their heads? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same question, yeah, but yeah, really. yeah. Mum's um, always right. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say be a student of the Bible. Mm. Yeah, like study it and get to know it, because in that there is so much truth, there is so much richness. Mm. And you get to know, you know, you have the, you have the, the joy of getting to know the Lord more and more. He's your mm. savior. He's, and he just, you know, his character is written in all those pages and all of those things are still true today. He was the same. He is the mm. same today as he was yesterday. And um, yeah, grow, <laughs> be a student and grow. So do you, do, are you, do you, are you like in the Bible every day? Is that, is that how you do it? Are you, um, do you, do you have like a specific set time? How's that? How does that work for you? Um, yeah. So I mentioned earlier how my dad would ask us, "Have you read the Bible?" So that, that was um, some. That was a um, habit we adopted very early on. Mm. I'm saying we. I'm speaking for every, all my siblings. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, yeah. So I, I like to do that in the mornings. Mm. Um, when the kids came along, it just. You know how it is, <laughs> newborns and babies, and that all went out the window. And yeah, I remember I can't plans. even get five minutes alone. Yeah, and um, I remember feeling guilty about that actually until mm. I had to like realize, you know, I can talk to him anytime. It doesn't have to be just in that hour slot. Yeah. So um, 
And also life goes through seasons, right? Yes, I mean, if absolutely. that's one thing you've learned is there's seasons mm-hmm. and we, we adapt to the season yeah. we're in. And when you have young kids, that, that is a season. Yes, that is a season, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm glad I'm out of. They're still little, but not that young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um, definitely smaller than my kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I like to, to do that in mm. the mornings is the time for me because I feel like there's no distractions. Um, as the day goes on, I can think of so many other things to be doing. Mm-hmm. But it's a discipline, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, um, And I think it's easy to fall out of. Yes, awesome, exactly. But, yeah. um, but it is. A di- and do you sit, read your Bible? Do you have a journal with you or, or are you just a reader? Do you I need have, to take notes? Do you I, have the fancy pastel highlighters? I do. Yeah. Um, but the the pencil ones, not okay. the because the pencil ones don't go through, they don't bleed through the Bible. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, all of that. I love my stationery. <laughs> <laughs> I love my. That's awesome. I have. Um, I tend to read now on my phone fa- because my phone's mm. always with me, and so I'm always reading on the mm-hmm. phone. And I've just got out of the habit of having. Mm. Um, like I had this armchair with my old Bible next to it and I'll just pick it up. And again, yeah. you just scroll in the margins. Mm-hmm. And of course, I mean, you can make notes on the phone, but I don't, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's I not suppose. the same because you can't re- yeah. go back to them, right? Yeah. And it is, but I mean, because, you know, with crowd, you're think- always doing sermons. And mm-hmm. so you kind of like, oh, where's that? Where? And, and you're just like, did I write it in that Bible or that yeah. Bible over there? I'm sure I had a really good thought about this at one point, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but somehow, the you know, they've not all been collected mm-hmm. into one thing. So read your Bible, um, find Jesus on the pages of the Bible would be your, mm-hmm. your topic. Be a and student so, of, of the Bible, so study it. Don't just read it, study it. So what's the, let me make this our final question, what's the one aspect um, of, of the Bible then, the, the one thing which is constantly pulling you in that you just, you're like, wow, this is the revelation for me. There's so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate it's hard getting you to just go to one thing. Yeah, I really, you know that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Don't tell me I've stumped you. Yeah, you have. <laughs> Was that on purpose? This last question. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, thank you for coming on to the show. Not that you had much choice, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Uh, the guinea pig. Um, I've really enjoyed doing this face to face. Yeah, it's been really fun. Actually. It's been really yeah. interesting. Yeah, and uh, lots to learn as a result of doing. It. I'm sure we're, if you're watching, I'm sure we'll get better. Um, hopefully, we'll get better at doing this sort of. Uh, face to face because we're going to do more of them mm-hmm. um but yeah and no, it's been awesome so thanks for coming on the show if people want to reach out if they want to connect with you what's the best way to do that <laughs> this one i also wasn't prepared for um that's bizarre because you <laughs> produce know. every <laughs> podcast <laughs> like you already know matt why you know? yeah, yeah yeah just reach out to set up via crowd church <laughs> yeah just uh, just any of the websites we talk about <laughs> I was not prepared for the one question we ask every guest that comes on the show. It's funny, isn't it, when you're, um, uh, I guess, when you're behind, behind the scenes is the wrong phrase, but here you're actually the star of the show, right? Whereas um, normally it's somebody else and you're making sure everything's tidy behind the backgrounds and making sure it all works, which is amazing because if you weren't there, it just wouldn't. Um, 
So how have you found it being this side of the microphone? Ah, well, it's definitely more uh, nerve-wracking. <laughs> <laughs> All these cameras pointed at you, but, yeah. you know, um, it's okay. It's worked so, out, yeah, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you uh, so much for joining in to the What's the Story podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed uh, our conversation, Sadaf been amazing thank you for just being totally honest and sharing your heart um and i think it will do a lot of good for a lot of people uh, which is always you know why we do these things so yeah thanks for watching thanks for tuning in if you are curious about crowd church and what we do you can find out more information on our website www.crowd.church all the information's on there about the live streams of service more information about what's the story podcast is on there um all the episodes, all the conversations, all the things that Sadaf produces behind the scenes, they're all on there. Uh, and you can find out uh, all the stuff there at crowd.church, www.crowd.church. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from because we've got yet more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, what do we tell the people? You are, are awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have got to bear. You have to bear it. I have to bear it. And you've got to bear it too. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>